0: Since our present leader is worthless I will create a new one gentlemen I give you the double spiral of life itself I propose to construct our new leader out of DNA molecules taken from history's greatest conquerors <laughs>
1: All the cold opens we've ever done that might be my personal favorite. The fact that we were able to work in the creation, as you all know, that was obviously the creation of Serpentor 1985 G.I. Joe cartoon. I believe it was called Rise Serpentor Rise. You can watch the full thing on YouTube. They create an evil leader, so evil. Well, it doesn't really work out for them, but you get it. They had had it with Cobra Commander. He was the previous leader. They worked on Serpentor. That one didn't work out either. And I thought that that was really just sort of a perfect metaphor in cartoon form for everything happening uh, with this Matt Gaetz, uh, Kevin McCarthy fiasco. And uh, oh, yeah. It's October 4th, 2023. This is The Ruben Report, I'm Dave Rubin. We're live streaming on Rumble. Locals, we're on Spotify and anywhere you get your audio podcasts. And as always, we've got a post-game show at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, when we were creating that little ditty that we just did right there, uh, Phoenix admitted something. He said, Dave, I thought that was the Transformers, which is so embarrassing. I, I, I'm docking you pay. Actually, you're not being paid for today's work. I normally don't do that sort of thing. This isn't just you. This isn't just you don't get guacamole. This is you are actually not being paid for today's work. I'm sorry. There were no robots. Transformers are robots. Good night, everybody. Anyway, uh, look, this this fiasco in the house has burst forth, and and in some respects, this is just sort of a perfect example of the dysfunction in Washington. I am going to try very hard today to honestly assess the case that Matt Gates is making to take McCarthy out as speaker. I'm gonna try to honestly assess the case that McCarthy was making for himself. I'm gonna try to show you the weak points on both, the positives on both, and, and hopefully you'll be able to uh, make an assessment for yourself, but the House, is upside down, the house is in an uproar and uh, that may not bode well for America because we got a whole bunch of problems as is. We got a border problem, we got a Ukraine problem, we got a spending problem and a bunch more. But I thought, how can I frame this show without just diving into like, just here we go, this is what he said, this is what he said, let's duke it out. Well, I thought, truth. Is there anyone that occasionally tells some truth that might be able to help us with some of this? And then I saw a clip of my buddy Jordan Peterson who was on Piers Morgan last night talking about truth as he often does and the importance of saying what is true. And I thought we could start with a dose of that. But before we get to that, let me talk to you guys about TWC Health Guys, I wanna introduce you to the wellness company and specifically their medical emergency kit. Awake doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough started the wellness company to build a parallel healthcare system and bring about a change in a corrupt and failing system. Part of that change is to help you take control of your health and supporting you through whatever the next thing is that gets thrown our way. Most people don't trust healthcare right now. In fact, over 40% of Americans say that they would avoid a doctor or a hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation. That's where the wellness company's medical emergency kit comes in. Eight potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand in times of need—natural disasters, supply chain shortages, medical emergencies, etc. You can rest easy knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics to help keep you and your family safe. The kit includes a comprehensive guidebook, so you never have to guess how much to take or when to take it. And if you're like me, you want to know your family is prepared for the unexpected. Go to twc.health. Slash Ruben use code Ruben to save fifteen percent at checkout. That's twchealth dot. Ru- I'm sorry. That's twc slash Ruben code Ruben for fifteen percent off. And now back to me. Okay, so let's just start the show with some straight up truth. No political pandering. No partisan bickering. Nothing else. This is Jordan Peterson last night on Piers Morgan's show talking about the importance of truth.
0: And you said something really interesting to me. Uh, How do you have the adventure of your life, you asked the people there, including many students. And your answer was, tell the truth. And then it's so bloody interesting and engaging and exciting that it justifies the misery of your existence. What can I tell you? There are Mm -hmm. great books. Mm -hmm. Read them, ignore Mm -hmm. your professors. I I mean, I did love that uh, because actually there is a real power, isn't there, to the truth, particularly in this era, I think, where there's so much untruth and disinformation flying around, actually being true to yourself is probably the most powerful thing you can you can be, I think. The adventurous element of the truth is associated with the following idea. I mean, it, I could come on this interview, let's say, and I could have been thinking this morning, well, what in the world do I want to accomplish if I get to talk to Pierce Morgan? I'm gonna to talk to several million people. How can I grow my brand? How can I use this opportunity to ensure that people feel better about me, or admire me more, or something hypothetically self-serving. Eh? But it's not self-serving exactly, it's, it would serve a very narrow part of myself. It would, asser, it would serve the narcissistic, self-aggrandizing, whim-oriented, hedonistic element of myself. and Maybe I would confuse that with myself, but that would be foolish. And then maybe I would get what I aimed at, and I'd have an impressive conversation with Pierce Morgan and that would redound temporary to my glory and I would walk away satisfied. <laughs> but the problem with that is it's a stupid goal. and if I attained it, that would just make me successful at being a, a being foolish and narcissistic and that consequence of doing that repeatedly would be that I would become more and more foolish and narcissistic. And there's no success in that. Even if I got rich doing that, I'd be rich and pathetic. And that's not helpful.
1: Just the best. He's just the best. In essence, what he is saying there is there is no point BSing. You cannot get around it one way or another. You can use everything. And I promise you, you will see how I'm linking this to everything going on politically today. You can use every moment to just promote yourself. You can use every moment to make people look at you or look at this shiny thing or whatever, but you simply cannot escape the truth. And now I wanna show you one more clip of Jordan just a few moments after that, that perfectly relates to what I'll be doing today and what I have really been trying to do more than ever on this show. I think I was always doing it, maybe subconsciously or subtly, but I'm trying to do it more than ever now because Piers is right. We do live now in a time of greater misinformation and disinformation. Uh, Unfortunately, it's just not the misinformation and disinformation that the mainstream media tells you, they've just got the whole freaking thing backwards. But the important thing is that for me, for someone that sits here and you give me a little bit of your time every day, and I can truly consider that an honor, If I don't tell you what I think honestly about the whole thing, if I think, oh, you know, 50% of my audience thinks this, I better cater to them, 70% think this about this other thing, I better cater to them, there will be nothing left here but an empty suit. And that is completely antithetical to the adventure of life. So one more from Jordan.
0: Alternatively, I could come on here and I could just try to say what I believe to be the case. And then that would be me, and it would be the truth, And then I would be aligned with reality, which seems like a good idea, you know, because if it's you against reality, like, good luck to you. But there's more to it, Pierce, because, see, if I want to come on to your program saying, just say what I think, I have to throw caution to the wind. I can't be calculating the outcome. I can't be, like, what would you say, referring to an opinion poll and telling people what they want to hear. I just have to lay it on the line. And... To do that, I have to let go of the outcome. But the cool thing, here's the cool thing. If you let go of the outcome, you don't know what's going to happen. And then that's so interesting, really, that it's almost unbearable. And that is definitely something so interesting that it's almost unbearable. That's an adventure. And then you get to have an adventure, and then you think, "Wow, well, this is so interesting. Maybe it's worth sticking around for and trudging through the misery just to see how it ends." <laughs> and I do believe that you—I do believe you capture that w- in a relationship with the truth. Yes. I truly believe that. No, I don't I mean agree. that mystically, even.
1: Man, isn't the truth good? Isn't hearing a guy talk about the truth truthfully good? And he's literally in this case talking to, he's talking to all of us in our own life, how we can relate to the truth. What's that that line? He says, wouldn't it be good in essence to be aligned with reality? Think how much of the machine and the media and our politics and all the people who wanna distract you with everything are keeping you disaligned with reality, who don't want you to think straight when it comes to literally what you're putting in your own body or whether you can go to work or all of these other things. But, but the truth is incontrovertible, you cannot, you cannot deny it. And then if you go for it, for the right reasons, the adventure, the freaking, you don't know what's gonna happen, as opposed to, as I mentioned earlier, just like catering, if I just sat here thinking, what do they want me to say, and everything else. So that is what I will continue to do. There was one other line, let go of the outcome, right? Like that is, it's just so cool. Like if you just do what's right and tell the truth for truth's sake, maybe something will happen. And then actually, and then I promise you, it'll get us to all the political part of where we're going today. Then maybe when people are doing all the things that distract us and doing all of the things that keep us away from the truth and confused and divided, maybe it won't work because you'll be on that path. You won't be in that conflict with reality. You'll actually be on the road with reality. And while you're on that road with reality, you should wear gravity to fire shoes. That was a segue. And then we'll get to the other stuff on the other side. Guys, I wanna talk to you about something that's been making my days a whole lot easier. Gravity to fire shoes. These shoes are something else, guys. I mean, I'm a fan of comfortable footwear, but these shoes take it to a whole new level. They're more than just shoes. They're basically clouds on your feet. I'm not kidding. In a double blind study by Olive View UCLA Medical Center and published in the Journal of American Podiatric Medical Association, participants experienced 85% less knee pain. It's the most powerful shock absorption system put into a shoe. Gravity to has this patented Verso shock technology. It's like a mini trampoline in your shoes. Whether you're strolling through the park, running errands, or even lounging at home, these shoes have got your back. Or I should say they have your feet. Even better, they're stylish. You get both comfort and style that look good and feel great. So here's the deal. This Gravity Defier is exclusive to the Ruben Report. Head on over to GDEFY.com. GDEFY.com. Use promo code Ruben20 at checkout and get an extra $20 off your order. This 20% discount is a thank you gift from Gravity to Fire for you being here with us today. Why not treat your feet to some well rested and deserved comfort? Go to gdefy.com, use promo code Rubin20 and give your feet the love they need. Trust me, you won't regret it. And now back to me. Okay, so let's dive into the lunacy. But as I am one to do, before diving into the day-to-day minutia, you guys know I like to look at some old clips every now and again to see what got us here. How did we end up at this moment where Matt Gates, a Trump Republican, went after Kevin McCarthy, a Trump-backed Republican Speaker of the House? How did we get here? Well, you guys may remember that back in March of this year, in March of 2023, uh, we spent a couple days in DC and I interviewed about 20 Republicans and it was two or three days after Kevin McCarthy had just taken over as speaker. They had reopened up the house and a bunch more. So I wanna show you just a small portion of my interview with Matt Gates from back then. This is about a minute long. Uh, and because Gates was one of the guys that was really holding out on McCarthy to get some concessions from him, right? He didn't want McCarthy to just be another swamp creature. He wanted to push him and that was obviously good. It took about 15 votes, if I'm not mistaken, to get McCarthy the Speakership, which he no longer has as of yesterday. Uh, and here is Gates at that time, explaining why he challenged McCarthy in the first place. So let's talk about that leverage for a minute, because just about two hours ago, I had Congressman Dan Crenshaw who, in here, and you guys were obviously on opposite sides of everything that went down with uh, with McCarthy uh, and the leadership. But that was my whole purpose of coming to DC. I wanted to sit down with guys that were on every every side of every issue. So you basically led the, the fight against McCarthy, Was that, were you planning on doing that? Did it just kind of materialize out of nowhere? And then did it become like a, a monster unto itself once, once it started?
2: Well, I think there were a lot of people who took leadership roles on, on different issue sets. Not every person required the same concessions to allow McCarthy to ascend to the speakership. You know, The, the margin presented a target of opportunity for us. Look, like I said, this is my fourth term. And I'm tired of the way this place works. I think it's deeply corrupt. I think the lobbyists run the show most of the times. I think people are more interested in servicing their PAC fundraiser than they are the needs of their constituents. And it's a grift game. And the way that what facilitates that grift game is an entire sophisticated structure that ensures that no one's really responsible for the legislating, right? If we had to take individual votes on individual departments and authorizations and bills and spending, then we would probably be be held to account to a greater degree by the people in this country. But instead what you get is every year or so, some multi-thousand page bill that you get a day, day and a half to read. And the whole deal is thumbs up or thumbs down on the whole thing. And then you're left with the decision of you know, voting for a bunch of crap you don't agree with or leaving out the widows and the orphans and the veterans and the military and things that every American would care about. And we had to force upon the system a better way to deal with legislating as an enterprise and that had features in policy, features in personnel and features in procedure and that's what we were working through.
1: Okay, so that was Gates about eight months ago, and I gotta say, that's all good, right? He's he's telling the truth, the thing that we now, we can all really see, it's something that, by the way, we do owe Donald Trump credit for, for pulling that curtain back and letting us really see how the swamp operates, and that the lobbyists and the donor class are in charge of so many of these people. And really what Gates was getting to at the end there is I think really the heart of it. Even if you move move the lobbyists aside and everything else, because I do think that there are some good people there who, who, who despite lobbyists, actually vote their conscience every now and again, that the bigger issue is they never get one thing to vote on. Do we want to help those people? Do we want to cut taxes over here? Et cetera, et cetera. It's always these crazy bills that as Nancy Pelosi used to say, we have to pass before we can read them. We know nobody reads them. They have 800 things that are completely unconnected to each other. And if you don't vote for it, then you're hurting grandma. We're putting trans studies into Pakistan, which Connor, I know you're for that one, but it's like, you got it guys. Like, it's just all kind of crazy. So I wanted to show you that because that frames eight months ago, right after the fight to get McCarthy as speaker, what Gates wanted out of McCarthy. Now I want to show you a video of the very next day. And at the very next day, I was in the Capitol with Kevin McCarthy. We actually had about 200 of you guys from our locals community come and join us at the Capitol. It was a great day. We took tours around the Capitol. McCarthy showed us around personally. It was really fantastic. Here he is talking a little bit about his strategy related to working with Republicans getting on the other side of that fight and how the Democrats operate within that. One of the lines that these guys hear me say probably five times a week is, you don't have to be a Republican, but you cannot be a Democrat. And the reason I frame it that way is it's obvious they've for the most part gone off the deep end, but there's a there clearly is some sort of branding issue or something that I think might be changing. I do believe that, Uh, that, you know, for example, the Republicans obviously didn't get that red wave in the midterm. So people clearly are stepping away from the Democrats, but they're kind of, ah, I don't know, these Republicans.
3: the other thing, too, we should, we should look at why didn't the red wave come. And we should be very honest with ourselves. There's a couple different reasons why, and I'll tell you. Look, as leader, I'm fortunate in both terms we've won. But could could we have won more? Yeah, we could have. This idea that we're just going to pick whoever and think we're going to win in November, no. The top of the ticket's going to hurt you below the ticket. And this idea that we're it almost happens that we're better at attacking other Republicans than standing up for the policies we believe in. Well that gets us nowhere. And the other thing too is if you want to be in the majority, and this is what Reagan said, if you agree with us 80 percent of the time you're there. Somebody who wins in Texas is going to be different than someone who wins in California. And if you want to sit back and where did we win the majority? We won five new seats in New York. We won in California. We won in Oregon. We won in Arizona places that other Republicans lost.
1: Okay, so it's interesting, you can really sort of see the, the juxtaposition of their two positions there. McCarthy, where it's very much we must hack away at this system, the system is corrupt. Like He's going all in on that thing. That's that's one way of looking at it. And then you've got McCarthy who's like, there's sort of a system in place. We can kind of work within that system and you have to accept that you're gonna have even Republicans from different places. A California Republican, for example, might have very different positions than a Texas Republican, but that we should be working together for this. He went on a little bit to explain how the uh, Republicans don't really do that while the Democrats always do. And that That really explains what's going on right now because it was eight Republicans yesterday who voted to oust McCarthy along with every single Democrat. So one more from that interview.
3: Sometimes it's very important to get the right person through the primary. And you shouldn't just say, okay, well, this person is the most conservative. Well, who's the most conservative who can win in November? That's another thing we have to think because you've got to have the gavel to govern. The uniqueness, like we have a five seat majority they don't hand the gavels out in small, medium, and large. We get the same size gavel. So. And, 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 and this is a place as Republicans should wake up. So I look, look back at the vote saying, where could we have done better? Top of the ticket hurt. Today we have 222 members. You know what our popular vote was? We won it by three points. Two points better than the time before. Seven points better than we did two years prior. So what it means is it's more competitive. We've had redistricting. So it's not that you're gonna have these big majorities that you think things are just gonna happen. And people look through different points, right? I mean, think for a moment. How many of you are from Pennsylvania? The one thing I learned is Democrats will vote for whoever, as long as they're a Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) You know? But I will tell you- you Where is John Fetterman? Where is he? Where Where is he? I don't know. (laughs) But I'm just, I'm just, you know, all due respect, I mean, it's just very difficult. But Republicans, and, and, and this is where I say we've got to be honest with ourselves and we've got to do it before you get to election. If we have a poor candidate, rightfully so, we won't, we won't all walk in lockstep and vote for that person.
1: And is that prescient or what? Prescient or prescient? Is it prescient? It's prescient, right? Is that prescient or what? Might be prescient too, I just don't know what that means. I made it up. Um, right? He's basically saying, if we don't have a guy that we like, we're going to vote him out and Republicans will break and do that. Now, he, I think perhaps he didn't think that might happen to him, but that's exactly what happened. These eight Republicans led by Matt Gates, decided to side with all of the Democrats. And he also makes the point there, McCarthy, right? He makes the point. Democrats always freaking do stuff in lockstep. And that's the odd position we're at, at this very moment. You've got eight Republicans going with all the Democrats, but does that not strike you? Even though I have no doubt that most of you watching this right now are kind of into the idea that McCarthy is out. You probably, if you've been watching this show and my interviews with him, and I've had multiple, you probably don't think he's evil. I certainly don't think he's evil. I think he looked at a system and was like, where, where can I make changes on the margins? I can't blow the whole freaking thing up. The, the emotional part of most of us is like, screw DC, screw the swamp. It's more in the Gates line of just like, blow everything up. That's a just sort of philosophical, do you believe in burn it all down or do you believe in fixing things where you can? It's a philosophical difference. It's a tactical difference. And I think all of us and and the guys that we're talking about, they just have to decide what, what road is better for them, which can accomplish more. Clearly, I think we get the sense that Gates is more on the burn it down thing, and, and McCarthy is more on the, on the margin side. So now let's flash forward to what's happened over the last day or two. Uh, here is Matt Gaetz uh, filing the motion to vacate McCarthy.
2: For what do, the does the gentleman from Florida now seek recognition? Mr. Speaker, pursuant to Clause 2A1 of Rule 9, I rise to give notice of my intent to raise a question of the privileges of the House.
4: The gentleman will state the form of his resolution.
2: Declaring the Office of Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant, resolved that the Office of Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant.
4: Under Rule 9, a resolution offered from the floor by a member other than the Majority Leader or the Minority Leader as a question of the privileges of the House has immediate precedence only at a time designated by the Chair within two legislative days after the resolution is properly noticed. Pending that designation, the form of the resolution noticed by the gentleman from Florida will appear in the record at this point. The chair will not at this point determine whether the resolution constitutes a question of privilege. That determination will be made at the time designated for consideration of the resolution. The chair will now continue with one-minute speech.
1: All right. I know we didn't have to show you all of that, but I think it's sometimes worth just seeing, like, a little bit of how the sausage is made, and like, sort of the stiffness, but also the professionalism and all of that stuff. That that is what the People's House is all about. Anyway, I think it's fairly obvious, having shown you those videos from March to where we are as of literally right this very moment. It was pretty much fairly obvious that we were gonna to get to something like this, like having McCarthy out altogether, I think is the surprise, but like the fight that was gonna brew between these guys was, was very, very obvious all along. Uh, here's Matt Gates yesterday explaining why he did what he did.
2: I mean, the speaker did not just fail to remediate the breach of the agreement with the, he made with us in January. He accelerated the instances of breach. Like, after I laid out the breach, he went and violated the 72-hour rule. After I laid out the breach, he violated the $100 million uh, no amendment suspension rule. So he, he seems to, to be reverting to the very unfortunate muscle memory of Washington, D.C. that has put our nation atop a $33 trillion debt that has led to you know $2 trillion annual deficits in our near future and the rapid global de-dollarization of the economy. mean you look at the BRICS system, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, they're moving away from the dollar. And just in August, they added six new countries, including G20 country uh, economies in the Western Hemisphere and Gulf monarchies. Uh, moreover, you've see, you saw U.S. news say that the number one economic trend of 2023 is de-dollarization globally. This worries me. You all get all worked up that there's going to be some uncomfortable, chaotic moment that I'll feel pressure from conservatives or Democrats or whomever, I feel the judgment of history. I feel the weight of that. I worry that when the history books are written about this country going down, that my name is going to be on the board of directors here. And if this country's going down, and if we're losing the dollar, I am going down fighting. And I don't care if that means fighting Republicans, Democrats, the Uniparty, the leadership, the PACs, the lobbyists. I've had it. I've been here seven years. We don't have a fucking budget. We haven't had one since the mid-90s. I am through with it. I apologize for using that word, but the only path forward here is to have single subject spending bills that can be reviewed, amended, considered. And I think that is the responsible way that our legislatures all over this country operate for good reason.
1: The colorful language notwithstanding, you have to, I think, really agree with the heart of what he is saying. We are going into debt, we are printing money, we pass bills that make no sense, that no one reads. How about just single line item bills? Do you think this is a good policy, yes or no? Like let's really know what does funding Ukraine have to do with funding our border? And trust me, those are just like the two most obvious examples, the nonsensical things. We literally fund gender studies in Pakistan and all the rest of the craziness, okay? You you still, you're into that one. I don't know why why he's into that one. Anyway, uh, I personally, I agree with the heart of all of that. And he's saying, I will stand up for what's right. But now I wanna show you because I do think it's important to show you all sides of an issue. I wanna show you the counter to that. Now, Representative Thomas Massey, uh, I think is the most libertarian member of Congress. He's been around for a while. and what's interesting about what I'm about to show you is he, he came out against this move by Gates. But think about the strange bedfellows here. Trump backed McCarthy. Gates backs Trump. Gates now took out McCarthy. And now you've got Thomas Massey, who back, who's backing DeSantis. And DeSantis never backed McCarthy in the first place. Like it, the, the strange bedfellows of this thing are really wild. Anyway, here is Thomas Massey, who is the most libertarian member of Congress, anti-war, pro-tax cut, pro-clean bill, all of the stuff that I think those of you watching this, that we have common cause in, uh, explaining why he's against what Matt Gates just did.
5: As the only still serving co-author and co-sponsor of the motion to vacate, Speaker Boehner, I can tell you this motion to vacate is a terrible idea is the only member who's serving here who took every chance to vote against Speaker Boehner and to vote against Speaker Ryan. I can tell you that this chamber has has been run better, more conservatively and more transparently under Mr. McCarthy than any other speaker that I have served under. As a member of the Rules Committee, one, one of three, one of three conservatives who were placed there out of trust, the speaker gave us a blocking position by putting three of us on there to keep an eye on the rules committee, to make sure the process was fair and even. I can tell you it's been fair and even. None of us are voting against the speaker today.
1: Okay, so this is super interesting. So you've got a guy who wants less government, wants to cut foreign aid, wants to cut taxes, doesn't want to fund Ukraine and all of those things who was put on the rules committee. If you go back, we could have showed you the clip in that same trip that we were in DC. I interviewed Thomas Massey and Chip Roy at the same time. Those were two of the guys that were fighting McCarthy the entire time, right? Because they wanted more clarity and uh, they wanted more transparency when it came to some of these bills. So he put them on the rules committee. And what Massey basically is saying, Massey's not thrilled with the Ukraine stuff or any of the rest of it, but what he's basically saying is, hey, I've been around Congress for a long time. I voted against... Republicans like John Boehner, who is the Speaker of the House. I voted against Republicans like Paul Ryan, who is the Speaker of the House. What he's saying is in the eight months since we've had McCarthy, this has been better. Now you might be Gates and go, well, I, I don't care that it's a little bit better. I, and I think, by the way, I think you can be completely honorable and take both sides on this position. It's just a different way of looking at the world and looking at the system. Do you believe you gotta just blow the whole thing apart, which really is the road Gates is going down? Or do you think that over time, with sort of judicious, thoughtful movement, that you can reign in government and the rest of it? That's the position that McCarthy was taking. That's the position that uh, Massey was taking. And by the way, some of you will watching this will believe one, some of you will believe the other, right? Like that. that's just okay. I think what makes this sort of scary now is that eight Republicans have sided with the Democrats. And to me, that is a deal with the devil, not because you cannot be bipartisan, right? It would be nice if we had a little more bipartisan sort of belief in America and sort of limiting of government and all of those things. We don't have that usually. But the Democrats, to McCarthy's earlier point, they stick together, the Republicans fray, and that's how they took out the Republican leader of the House. Now, check this out. Here's McCarthy yesterday speaking on the floor of the House and Representative Ilhan Omar, who is a communist. This woman is a far left lunatic in essence. She is a socialist and a communist. She has destroyed Minnesota. She just earlier in this week is now fighting for 81,000 illegal immigrants to get IDs in Minnesota, everyone knows what's happened to Minnesota. I mean, I, the litany of things that I could tell you about this woman, but check her out, licking her lips as she now knows the Democrats are, are in cahoots with Gates. Check this out.
2: Mr. Speaker, I think I've caught the signal too. The signal is for $33 trillion in debt facing $2.2 2 trillion annual deficits. And our fellow Americans may be watching, watching wondering, how does that happen? How does the greatest country in the world have a process
1: Mm, mm, mm. gonna eat me some of that Matt Gates lunch. Mm, mm. She's drooling because she knows they have now made some kind of deal and whether Matt Gates likes it or not, the system still exists. So congratulations, like you got rid of McCarthy and we will see it, maybe, maybe you will be able to shift these, dem- maybe the Democrats will see the writing on the wall and be like, boy, we have an interesting opportunity here to not look so psychotic We've got Matt Gates he's pushing for this you know line item one vote for one bill kind of thing maybe we could get on board with that maybe they'll do something there it would be freaking incredible or she's going boy we've basically got this guy by the balls we just helped him harm the republican party and we ain't going to give him any more but
3: mm,
1: mm, mm, that's tasty Here's uh, Pramila Jayapal she's another far left i think i think she's basically a self-avowed socialist Uh, basically saying that the Democrats would have done anything to destroy McCarthy. So sure, working with Gates, that's pretty good.
0: Great caucus meeting. It was extremely unified. We're standing behind our leader, Hakeem Jeffries. He is the person that should be Speaker of the House. And there is reason after reason to uh, to just let Republicans deal with their with their own problems. I mean, they can let them wallow in their pigsty of incompetence and inability to govern. They are they are destroying our institution. What does that, does that does mean? Does
5: that mean voting impact. present? Like, how is this going to play out? We
0: are we are not voting in any way that would help save Speaker McCarthy.
1: You gotta remember, even if you're really with Gates on this, right at the moment, all of the worst people in the United States government, meaning the far left progressive wokesters, they are thrilled right now, right? Ilhan Omar is thrilled right now. Maya Jayapal is thrilled right now. You know who else is thrilled? I mean, one of the worst of the worst who should be in a cave hiding along with Anthony Fauci for all his lies over the years, Adam Schiff, he's pretty thrilled, and he's gonna make sure that McCarthy doesn't make a comeback.
6: You know, I I don't wanna uh, uh, discuss internal caucus, but uh, I can tell you my own view, which is Kevin McCarthy's not trustworthy. Uh, We don't trust him. Their own conference doesn't trust him. Uh, we've just lurched from crisis to crisis uh, with him as speaker, and uh, they need to choose someone that has the ability to govern because it's not him, uh, and we don't feel um, that it's in the best interest of the country to have the House of Representatives continue to lurch from crisis to crisis. So I hope they can uh, choose someone that uh, has the capability of at least um, getting us to uh, in a more productive session in the House, but clearly it's not Kevin McCarthy.
5: So you predict that Kevin McCarthy will not be the speaker by the end of today?
6: Well, I don't know where the Republican votes are, um, but it's certainly my feeling that Democrats should not um, enable uh, such an untrustworthy partner as Kevin McCarthy.
2: Are you confident that Democrats will not save Kevin McCarthy?
6: Well, I know I'm going to vote against him
1: okay so that was obviously before the vote happened and then all democrats again every single democrat voted in lockstep and and just think about this this deal that now has been cut to get rid of mccarthy all of the worst people i just named some of them adam schiff calling mccarthy dishonest and untrustworthy is now in bed with gates so again even if you like what gates did you just have to see how the lay of the land is shifting right in front of us the fact that adam Uh, uh, The fact that uh, Schiff and that Adam Schiff is like empowered right now and that he could call anyone else dishonest is just so absolutely incredible. Uh, But let's show you the, the very moment that McCarthy was removed.
4: On this vote. The yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted without objection. The motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant.
1: All right. That was it. McCarthy was out and I do have to say, having gotten to know him and I've interviewed him not only in the Capitol, but in my home, the the guy has been nothing but a, a gentleman and a, and a pro in my experience with him. And again, whether you, whether you like the stuff or not, he certainly, I'm certainly not with him on that. They kept funding Ukraine. But I also hear Thomas Massey saying, hey, this was the best guy we've got and this is, this is a mistake. I can, I can acknowledge all of those things, right? Like two things can be true at the same time. Here is Kevin McCarthy in his first uh, press conference after being removed and like, here, here's just a guy taking it like a champ and being a pro.
3: Doing the right thing isn't always easy, but it is necessary. I don't regret standing up for choosing government. Over grievance. It is my responsibility. It is my job. I do not regret negotiating. Our government is designed to find compromise. I don't regret my efforts to build coalitions and find solutions. I was raised to solve problems, not create them. So I may have lost a vote today, but as I walk out of this chamber, I feel fortunate to have served the American people. I leave the speakership with a sense of pride, accomplishment, and yes, optimism.
1: You know, isn't it interesting because so far out of everyone we've talked about today, we haven't shown you anyone that's really like shredded their integrity in all of this, right? Like Gates is absolutely doing what he thinks be- is best. I completely agree with that. And again, whether you agree with it or whether I agree with it is irrelevant, like he's doing what he thinks is best. His integrity is intact. He's telling you what he thinks and he's doing it. McCarthy right there, he could have thrown everybody under the bus and done all sorts of stuff, but he's walking from this thing with his integrity intact. The Democrats who I just showed you, I don't think they have much integrity, but they're doing exactly what they always do, which is be in lockstep with each other and do everything to destroy the Republicans. Everyone's kind of doing their part so far. Uh, McCarthy went on to say he will not run for speaker again because technically he could run for speaker again. He could try to whip up the boats and do the whole thing all over again, but he ain't going to do it.
3: My goals have not changed. My ability to fight is just in a different form. You need 218. Unfortunately, 4% of our conference can join all the Democrats and dictate who can be the Republican speaker in this house. I don't think that rule is good for the institution, but apparently I'm the only one. I believe I can continue to fight, maybe in a different manner. I will not run for speaker again. I'll have the conference pick somebody else.
1: So again, 4%, eight Republicans, worked with the Democrats, got rid of this guy. One more time, doesn't matter if you think he was great or think he was awful, you have to think about the mechanism and ultimately is that good for America? And you might say yes, you might say it's it's worth, Gates's move here to get a simpler system is worth, Working with the devil, like cutting a deal with the devil, because that—that that I think in essence is what this is. You might say that. One more on Kevin McCarthy here. He is just talking about his uh, his future in or
3: out of Congress. I look forward to your positive questions. Yes. Oh, I'll look at that.
1: Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. We actually do have two more of him. So he's he's deciding what he wants to do, right? He's, and I think that's a fair assessment. Like, his political career in terms of the upward trajectory is probably over. Uh, but again, he didn't, he didn't go down, uh, you know, just taking everybody out. But he did have some critical words for the eight guys who uh,
3: helped get rid of him. And when you look back, is there anything you could have done differently to what those eight members did? <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of them I helped get elected, so I probably should have picked somebody else. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's kind of funny, right? Like he helps get some of these guys elected and this is what politics is. It's backdoor deals. It's helping get somebody elected who then turns on you. It's going after somebody who becomes your ally and all of those things. Uh, one more from McCarthy this time, uh, criticizing
3: Matt Gates directly. Not a conservative. Every, look, you all know Matt Gates. You know, it was personal. It had nothing to do about spending. It had nothing to do about everything he accused somebody of he was doing. It all was about getting attention from you. I mean, we're getting email fundraisers from him as he's doing it. Join in quickly. That's not governing. That's not becoming of a member of Congress. And regardless of what you think, I've seen the text. It was all about his ethics. But that's all right.
1: But look, now I would refer you back to that start point video we had of Matt Gates back in uh, March, basically saying, we got these concessions at him, and if he doesn't act on these things, we'll take them out. Well, Matt Gates did that. McCarthy's now basically saying... It was never about that because I acted conservatively, again, point to the to the Thomas Massey thing, and this guy's in it for himself. There's a lot of rumors right now that Matt Gates will be looking to uh, run for governor of Florida after Ron DeSantis, regardless of where DeSantis's uh, presidential campaign ends up. All right, now back to Matt Gates responding to McCarthy after responding to him.
0: To whose benefit? People have called you a narcissist. People say that is to your benefit alone. Is it to the benefit of you
2: and to Donald Trump? It's the benefit of this country that we have a better speaker of the House than Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy couldn't keep his word. He made an agreement in January regarding the way Washington would work, and he violated that agreement. We are $33 trillion in debt. We are facing $2.2 trillion annual deficits. We face a de-dollarization globally that will crush Americans, working class Americans. Kevin McCarthy is a feature of the swamp. He has risen to power by collecting special interest money and redistributing that money in exchange for favors. Uh, We are breaking the fever now, and we should elect a speaker who's better.
1: All right, so uh, Gates, you've got your moment. You got rid of the guy, you've got your moment. You gotta figure out how you're gonna deal with the socialists and the wokesters and the lunatics and the racists and the rest of the Democrats. And I would say good luck with all of that. But now I want to go back to sort of the strange bedfellows here, because as I mentioned, McCarthy was a Trump guy. Gates is a Trump guy. They're going after each other, right? And I saw this video, which was super interesting. This is on Fox, Newt Gingrich. Now Newt Gingrich, who is a a huge Trump guy, Newt Gingrich, who was once Speaker of the House and who was a renegade in his own right, Contract for America, right? All of that, he ran for president as a renegade before Trump was sort of the one riling up the crowds. It was Newt Gingrich four years before that. Uh, but here's Newt Gingrich, again, a Trump guy against Matt Gates and the eight reps who did this. Take a look.
0: 96% of the Republicans voted for McCarthy. 4% voted against him. From my position as a longtime Republican activist, they're traitors. All eight of them should, in fact, be primaried. They should all be driven out of public life. What they did was to go to the other team to cause total chaos. We ought to be focusing on Biden. We ought to be focusing on the economy. We ought to be focusing on the border. Instead, you're going to get a week or 10 days of the media focusing on Republican disarray. It's an astonishingly Destructive behavior by a handful of egocentric people who think they're superior to 96% of the conference.
1: And tell us how you really feel, Newt Gingrich. But isn't that something? Again, Gingrich, huge Trump guy, going after Gates, huge Trump guy. Trump backing McCarthy. Desantis did not back McCarthy. Gates in Desantis's state here far like it. It, to that extent, as annoying as a lot of this stuff can be, like to that extent, it's so interesting, the realignment, the fighting here, as Brock just pointed out, uh, this probably leads us one way or another to a Gavin Newsom presidency, may God help us all. Uh, so I just wanna give you a little quick recap once again on, on my feelings on this. I think McCarthy fought as hard as he could to try to do some good things. He failed in many respects, right? I am completely against the Ukraine war. I don't know what the hell we're funding and we're not funding our border enough. So did was he not great? Probably. But was he pretty good within the confines of the system that exists? To, to Thomas Massey's point, probably. Is Gates now doing a deal with the devil that might, that might ultimately do something good? Like maybe this will break things in a way that will get us to something better on the other side. Very possibly. But right now, do you feel, does it feel like the Republicans are stronger or are the Democrats stronger, right? Like those are the two parties we got, whether you like it or not. And it feels like the Democrats are way stronger, right? The Republicans are seriously frayed. You've got everybody aiming at everybody. It's that Spider-Man meme of Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man and, and the, Republic in, the Republicans are in a lot of trouble here. Uh, so let's go to the other guy that apparently is in charge of the Republicans, because as I've said, over the course of these 40 minutes or so, uh, nobody really burned their dignity down in all of this, right? Like even Gates, he's going very hard after McCarthy, but he, he, and I guess to some extent he's making it personal, but he's really driving home this point of how Washington is run. And McCarthy is being honorable as he's walking away, right? And Massey is saying, hey, here's what I think. Like nobody really went crazy within all of that. But now I'd like to show you a uh, post on Truth Social from President Donald Trump. Why is it that Republicans are always fighting amongst themselves? Why aren't they fighting the radical left Democrats who are destroying our country? Um, Donald Trump, have you ever met Donald Trump? Uh, there's the guy you called De Sanctis, De Sanctimonious. There's lion Ted Cruz, whose father you said killed JFK. Uh, there's bird brain Nikki Haley, who you recently just in the last Three, four days. Sent a birdcage to her hotel room. Uh, What? Who else? What? All of them. What? Milk toast, McEnany, Give me a couple others. What do we? What do you say for Marco? Little Little Marco. Give me something else. What? Chris Christie's just fat. Was that you or was that Trump? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, you know, low energy Jeb, like all of these things. So think about what Donald Trump has done to the Republican Party, finding enemies everywhere. Everyone he has ever hired who is a Republican is an idiot, a moron, a sellout, blah, blah, blah. Trump's opponent, the guy he refuses to say his name, DeSantis, who he calls de sanctimonious, even though Trump is the most sanctimonious person in the history of the world, uh, he backed. He did not back McCarthy. Trump is the one who backed McCarthy here in the first place. Anyway, I thought that was worth showing because what we need out of all of this, maybe the silver lining out of this infighting is not that the Democrats will will gain strength. They're, They're clearly in the upper hand right now. But maybe, maybe sanity could be restored as enough of us just keep seeing the insanity, right? You keep showing us that insanity. It keeps spreading. The lies keep spreading, all of that stuff and maybe a couple people will be like, you know, I've had just about enough of this. It does not have to be this way. I'm gonna start voting for better people. I'm gonna start voting for people who say what they think and do what they say and all of that. I thought Ben Shapiro said it quite well using only five words in a tweet. First party to sanity wins. Wouldn't that be something, guys? Wouldn't that be something if we could get on the other side? But we can't get on the other side with the name-calling and the lying and all of this stuff. Uh, Steve Dace over at The Blaze had a had a long tweet on this, and I think he explained it quite well, sort of what's happening right at this very moment. Uh, he said, This fuster clock is happening right now because the Republican Party is ensnared by a trap of its own making. Most of the Republican Party can no longer do out in the open what it wants to, which is betray the base and pocket the money because of the emergence of Trump and his base existentially disrupted their paradigm, as well as expose the fecklessness of the GOP to an unsustainable level. Trump and the movement surrounding him, he inspired, should absolutely get credit for that. However, Trump, the disruptor, isn't much of an actual leader. If you're going to blow something up, better have something better ready to replace it. Trump didn't. He really just expected to make better deals with the same swamp rats that were always. Thus, there is no counter vision or new breed of leader to to replace the surrender caucus with. Because the only standard was, will you slurp Trump? You have Trump loyalists like Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene on opposing sides with McCarthy. You got McCarthy as Speaker at all because he gladly slurped Trump for power. You have people with good voting records like Gates aligned with total rhinos like Stefanik and Mace when all they have in common is Trump slurping. Everything on the right is about one man and one man only. There is no vision, leadership. And without a vision, the people perish, which is why Democrats have outperformed 30 special elections this year by an average of 11 points they have a vision, albeit a demonic one, but a demonic vision will defeat a cult of personality every single time, just like it is defeating us as we speak. That's why Democrats are fine vacating McCarthy too in order to expose these fissures on the right all the more. Divide and conquer is the oldest strategy known to man. They are united by a vision while we do Kool-Aid acid tests of loyalty, not to a vision, but to a singular figure who isn't inclined to return that loyalty all too often. And given his age, won't be relevant all that much longer anyway. So what is the plan? What is the vision? There isn't one, and there never was. Nothing has changed. The cake is still being baked the same, it's just the frosting is zanier than ever. Despite all those zany hijinks, we're right back to where we started. Republicans focus on winning the next election. Democrats are out to win the next generation. Uh, Steve Dace, if I can just give you a little golf clap right there, like that is it. That absolutely is it. And so what would be the way out? It would not be the show. It would not be the constant disruption and the constant lies. It might be looking for somebody I won't even name him right now, but could there be a politician out there who has a track record of truth and accomplishment, who wins in landslides, who says what he's going to do and goes ahead and does it, and then picks a whole bunch of other stuff and does that and fights the media and fights the machine the entire time? Would that be a vision? Would that be a blueprint for a successful America? Could there be some guy out there who might be able to do something like that? Perhaps. All right, guys, we're almost to the end here. Uh, this just broke just a little bit before we started the show. This is from the Citizens Free Press. Jim Jordan is running for Speaker of the House. And now to bring this thing full freaking circle, check this out, tweet from Thomas Massey, who is on the McCarthy side of this thing. My first choice if he will run, Jim Jordan, and then a tweet from Matt Gates, who is obviously on the Matt Gates side of this thing. My mentor, Jim Jordan, would be great. All right, so maybe, just maybe, guys, we will get a little unity out of the Republicans. Will it do all of the things that Matt Gates wants? I don't know. Will it do all of the things that Thomas Massey wants? I don't know, but I do know that I've interviewed Jim Jordan a bunch of times. I know that he gets the issues. I know that he's a deep defender of free speech and the Constitution and everything else. We shall see what happens. But now I will end the show with an older Republican who's no longer with us, but who is a wise man who had wit and character and charm, and who actually did a lot of the things that he set out to do and did it respectfully and decently, uh, which I think will show you that no matter what happens here, and no matter how silly the infighting is or the name-calling, or the guys who walk out with their dignity intact or anything else, that these people cannot solve all your problems, right? Because usually, actually, the government creates more problems than it solves. And yes, I am throwing to Ronald Reagan. Ain't it one of his classics?
6: I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help.
1: Guys, I'm from the internet and I'm here to just tell you what I think and let the chips fall where they may. We got a post-game show right now at reubenreport.locals.com. Part one of my interview with Carl Benjamin, aka Sargon Bacod, is up right now on YouTube and Rumble, full things up on Locals. We leave you with, I believe you can call this artificially intelligenced manipulation of the elderly man pretending to be President Joe Biden. See you on the other side.
0: Well, I woke up to go give me a cold pop. Then I oh somebody was barbecuing. I said, oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire. And I ran out. I didn't grab no shoes. And then Jesus, I ran from my life. And then a smooth gap behind that broke tightness.
6: Ain't nobody got time for that.